stand with me for a moment. We'll read our scripture for the morning service and the message to follow. Luke chapter number two. It'll be on the screen in front of you. If you'd like to open your Bible, please do so. And there is a Bible located in the seat back in front of you for your convenience as well. We'll be in the uh, gospel account of the birth of Christ in Luke's gospel, chapter number two. And we'll be reading verses 10 through 14. You follow along as I read, please. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of a great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for your help today. We pray. Uh, let's see. I think it's in verse 10. We'll throw it up on the screen there. Uh, come on, Luke. Hustle up here. Luke chapter 2. The Bible says, And the angel said, No, fear not, for I, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. So he says, I'm bringing something. This is good news. Uh, you know, and fear not. In other words, you're not in the waiting room at the dentist hearing that, you know, that, that drill sound, you know? They ask you if you're comfortable, and they put this huge hose in there, you know, and all, oh, you hate that sound. Was that too good? The sound effect's too good? And if we have any dental hygienists here, I apologize. I'm not picking on you at all. But, you know, sometimes when you're hearing all of that, that's, that's kind of a reason to be fearful. But he says, listen, he says, don't fear. I've got good news. And so I want to take that particular passage from that verse and just share a few thoughts with us this morning about what does Christmas bring? Let's pray. Lord, help us, please. Guide and direct our words and our thoughts. <laughs> Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice uh, on the screen there in front of you, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, I've showed you all things, how that's so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We hear that so many times, and uh, I'm going to move this for a moment so I don't trip over it. We, we hear that so many times, and, and often it is said by, uh, you, you know, we say it to our children because we want them to, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive because we want to teach them to give, or we want to kind of clue them in. Uh, they're not getting very much this year, or whatever it is, you know. Now, remember, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, the Bible doesn't say that it's not a good thing to receive, the Bible doesn't say that it's not a delightful thing to receive, but the Bible says heaps blessing is upon those who are givers. That's why God said that God loves a cheerful giver. You know, uh, it's, the, it's the attitude of delighting in getting to give. Can you imagine that? Now, that's God because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so, one of the first things that we know, what does Christmas bring? It provides the opportunity to give to others. That's a wonderful thing. We don't lose sight of the opportunity that you have to give. And it, it could be any number of things. One of the key things that ought to be the opportunity to give the gospel. It's, it's one reason why every time we preach, every time we have an opportunity, we certainly want to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. You say, why? Because you must be born again. 
There's no better time than the present. There's no better time than the Christmas season, but you must be born again. doesn't matter. You say, well, I've heard that my whole life. Well, you're going to keep hearing it because you must be born again. And most of this world has rejected God. A lot of people will celebrate this season. They'll celebrate the birth of Christ. They'll decorate. They'll give gifts and all those kinds of things. And I'm not throwing off on any of that, but they'll miss what Christmas is really all about. And so one of the things that's incumbent upon us as God's people, explain to people why you're celebrating Jesus Christ. What does Christmas mean to you? Last night, we were driving around through our neighborhood and uh, looking at some of the decorations. We had Reagan and Madison, and uh, we were driving through the neighborhood and seeing all that. But I love seeing the signs, keep Christ in Christmas. I love seeing the signs, Jesus is the reason for the season. Again, I'm not throwing off on Frosty, okay? Not at all. You know, there must have been something in that hat they found placed upon his head. And when, you know, all that, uh, you know, he began to dance around and all that. We know know that song. It's in our hymn book. Okay. All right. Not really. Some of you started looking. But no, it's not there. And, you know, I don't have a problem with that. You know Dasher and Dancer, Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid, and Donner and Blitzen. But do you? Now, I don't have a problem with that. Okay, I didn't want to start singing, breaking out in song, but I don't have a problem with any of those things. But I really, really want people to know, Jesus, there's something about that name. The very reason we're here on this Sunday, as we will be in June or July or September, is because of the gift of Jesus Christ. And so one of the things that Christmas reminds us about, it is the opportunity to give to others. And you, you don't want to take that for granted, and you want to capture those moments and those opportunities. The older you get, I think the more we appreciate this. It's, it's wonderful to watch your children open gifts. It's a great thing. And they get, they get to those ages, you know, when they're a year old, they could care less, whether it's a piece of paper or a pacifier or whatever. But as they get older, you know, the gifts typically, there's a little bit more excitement and enthusiasm. And, you know, we all get to a certain stage where, to be honest with you, we take as much delight in watching somebody receive the gift as we do getting it. Don't understand me. I still like getting it. Okay? All right? Just throwing that out there. But I, I want us to understand one of the great things that Christmas brings is it brings us the opportunity to give to others. Don't miss that this Christmas. And every chance you get during the next few couple weeks and the, the w- windows of opportunity that God gives you, whether it's a coworker, whether it's one of the nice things about, uh, um, let's see if I can find it here on the pulpit, the uh, drive through difference. And I'm not going to ask how many of you have done this. Uh, we've done it a few times in the past week. And uh, um, sorry, girls, you're not getting much this year. We've been doing the drive through difference. But no, but seriously, we... Uh, uh, you know, d- different places that you go. And it's amazing, it's amazing how many times, you, you give this to the cashier at Starbucks, and they're actually giving out a gospel track. Now, probably they would, Mr. Schultz would frown about that and probably would, you know, send out a decree that not a, they shouldn't be doing it. But nonetheless, you hand it to a clerk and you say, I want to pay for the people behind me. Could you give them this? And every single time I've done that, they always say, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's wonderful. You know what it is? It's giving. How many of you had somebody pay for your meal or drink or something in a drive-thru this week? Raise your hands. Come on. Put them up there. One, two, three, four, five. Five of you. And I told you last week I drove around looking for you to try to get in behind you. But I couldn't find anybody. All right? But what does Christmas bring? It brings us 
the opportunity to give to others. Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Then let me say this further. What does Christmas bring? It provides the opportunity to appreciate God's gifts. What are those gifts? The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'll tell you one of the greatest gifts God's given us is grace. Grace. Yeah, I look through, uh, I look through my life in 57 years of sin, and God's let me breathe. He's let me live. He's given me the opportunity to have a wonderful life. I, I've been able to, to preach I've been able to be a, a dad and be a grandfather and, and, and do amazing things in this life because of God's mercy to me. It's been said, using it as acrostic, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And I'm a blessed man because of God's grace in my life. It doesn't mean that God overlooks my sin. God doesn't turn a blind eye or nor a deaf ear to sin. He's fully aware of it. Make no mistake about it. God is not ignorant of our sin or ignoring it, but God extends grace. For by his grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the, there's that word, gift of God. And so I'm grateful for grace. Then may I say this further, appreciating God's gift. There's grace, and then there's also mercy. Notice in Lamentations chapter 3, I love these verses. We quote them from time to time. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. And by the way, when you're ever wondering, I just don't have any hope right now. Jeremiah, the prophet, the weeping prophet, these are lamentations. That word lament means to have deep expressed sorrow. And he says, I remembered something, and because of this, I know I have hope. What does he remember? It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not. So as I appreciate gifts and I have the opportunity to give them, I can't help but stop and remember the gifts that God has given to us. First of all, grace and mercy. The Bible reminds me that every day that I draw breath, it's mercy. Yeah, I woke up this morning and, um, and I, I got up and I, I, didn't, I didn't struggle getting out of bed. I was able to see, and I was able to walk, and I, I was able to get ready, and, and uh, all of those things. And the Bible says, that's the breath of mercy coming your way. You, you might think, well, no, I just I did it out of habit. No, God's mercy. Because he reminds us, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not. The Bible tells us further in this passage, his mercies are new every morning. You see, the mercy that I got today, I'm going to need some more tomorrow. I'll need more before this day is done, I guarantee you. And it's God saying, I'm going to extend mercy your way. And I appreciate that gift. Sometimes we think, uh, man, I, uh, my wife and I were talking about someone recently, and I, 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 was, I was thinking, man, I don't know if they have anybody this Christmas season. By the way, if you know people who have no one at Christmas, that's a perfect time to If God has placed someone on your heart and mind and you've thought of someone who doesn't have anybody this particular season, give them something. Give them a gift card. Write them a note. Give them a card. Find out what they like and send them something. You say, what are you doing? You realize that, man, all the gifts that God has given you, and you're thankful for that, and you don't want to forget those who do not enjoy such things. And so as we 
think about the opportunity to appreciate the gifts of God. We see grace, we see mercy. And then the third one, forgiveness. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee forgiveness. Do you know what that means? It is God looking at you as if you've never done wrong. Can you imagine that? Now, we view forgiveness very differently. In fact, typically it comes with, uh, with caveats. Typically it comes with disclaimers. I'll forgive you, but... And typically our forgiveness is so disingenuous, we were forced to remember all of those wrongs and hurts and wounds. And we, even our, our forgiveness is kind of feigned. It's, it's, it's a little bit shallow. It's hard for us because only God has the capacity to forget sins. In fact, he says this about us as the redeemed, those who are saved, born again. He says, your sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. I don't know how he does it. God who knows all things forgets yours. How does he do it? I don't know. Maybe it's a cognizant choice, but, but God says, I can't remember those sins. Because I purposely chose your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. I realize it possibly also means counted against you. I understand all the, the doctrinal implications there, but the simple statement is, I'm not going to remember it. That's forgiveness. You know, I stand here today, and I, can, I look back at some silly things. I, I remember sneaking behind the house to smoke cigarettes in third grade. Okay. I remember doing it last night, too, but that's different. No. <coughs> Just seeing if you're awake. It was actually Friday night. No, uh, stay with me. I remember that. I remember taking a $5 bill from my mom's purse when I was in, I think, first or second grade to run to the convenience store. Man, I wish I hadn't done that. I made that right with my mom not long after that. But you know why I tell you that? right here. There are other things I've done and thought and said in this life I'd never even want to repeat to you. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. But I know this. God in heaven said, "Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Because the day I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, he took my sins away. He covered them with the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. And so I stand here today not as a perfect saint, but as a forgiven sinner. Man, I I don't know what is going to be wrapped or sent to you in a card or placed under your tree. But man, I'm thinking about mercy. I'm thinking about grace. And I'm thinking about forgiveness. And if you get nothing other than those things this year, you're one wealthy guy. What does Christmas bring? It brings grace, mercy, forgiveness. And then ultimately, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift, it brings us Jesus Christ. The very reason for the season that we have spoken so much about. So what does it do? It provides us the opportunity to give to others. It provides us the opportunities to appreciate God's gifts. And the greatest gift that mankind has ever been given is Jesus Christ. It's not... It's sad to believe and almost difficult to comprehend that most people reject the gift. We have done everything in our culture, in our country, to rid ourselves of God and Christ. We fought when I was a child 
50-plus years ago, we were doing everything we could to get him out of schools. We thought, well, yeah, he doesn't have anything to do with education. But the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's, what, that's the foundation. When you take God out of the equation of education, you have ignorance, not education. You may have academics, but you don't have education. Okay, and I'm not going to preach on that this morning, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. It's a little bit of Bible for us today. But as, so, so then we get in a culture where we want God removed from every monument. We want prayer removed, and we take offense to people citing a prayer at a football game in our culture today. By the way, if God doesn't exist, do you mind if they quote Robert Frost? He was a real person. And if God's a figment of our imagination, heaven's not real, hell's not real, the Bible's not true, then what do you care? Just leave them alone in their ignorant imaginations. But that's not it. The reason they protest it so much is because they know it to be true. It is real. He is real. He is true. And society has done everything, not just in our culture in America, but historically from the time of Christ, the very time of his beginning, they sought to wipe him out. Herod was so overwhelmed with fear and fright that he said, I'm going to kill every child. We refer to it sometimes as the slaughter, the innocence. And the Bible says in Ramah, Israel, there was a cry of weeping, a wailing, and they would not be comforted. Why? Because he was real. Because when he came, he was God robed in a garment of flesh, and he's real today. And I thank God I serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter what men may say, I I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. That's who I'm talking about this morning. What does Christmas bring? It brings us the opportunity to appreciate God's gift. And let me say this, it provides us opportunities to be at God's house. We don't need an excuse. In fact, the Bible says that church was God's idea. It wasn't man's. He said he created it. He's, he said, come together. That's what a church is. It's an ecclesia. It's a called out assembly of believers. It's a local New Testament church. God put the, us together. It's a great thing. I think about going through the difficulties and hardships in life. I can't imagine doing it without the fellowship of God's people. I think about the rejoicing that we share with one another when God brings a great victory to us. That's a wonderful thing. And he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. David reminded us in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Though I can remember as a child thinking, church again? I have to confess There have been times, even as an adult, when I've thought, do I have to go? And then Tony said, you're the pastor. (laughs) But sometimes we we feel that way. I can remember as a boy, I I took, you remember the old mercury thermometers? Yeah. Some of you still use those, old reliable. I went one morning, got up, and uh, I went, and I ran the mercury thermometer under hot water. I didn't want to go to church. That's all. I, I didn't want to go to church. And uh, so I ran it under hot water, and uh, I got that thing up to 108. It was as high as it would go, 108, and I thought, this will keep me home for sure. 
And uh, I put it back in my mouth, and I, I ran to Mom, and I said, Mom, I'm not feeling so well. And uh, she, I, I said, I, I think I've got a temperature if you want to check. And she pulled it out there, 108. And she said, I'll warm you up. Now, my mom, when my mom said, I'll warm you up, it wasn't, I'm going to make you some hot cocoa with marshmallows. When mom said, I'll warm you up, it meant you were in trouble. And mom did indeed warm me up. And guess what? I went to church anyway. Now, I didn't sit down, not comfortably anyway, but I went to church. And you know, that was the last time I tried that prank. But David, he's to the place in his life. Now, by the way, this is long after his season of sin and his failures and shortcomings. But he gets to the place where he says, man, I'm grateful for forgiveness. There was a time when he watered his couch with tears. And he said, day unto night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture was turned into the drought of summer. And he said, God, give me back the joy of thy salvation. When that day came, then David said, man, I'll tell you, now that I'm right with you, I want to be in your house every time the doors are open. One of the things that Christmas does provide us is provides us an opportunity to be in God's house. Then may I say this further, what does Christmas bring? It provides us opportunities to be with loved ones, friends, and family, and I encourage you to take full advantage of that. Man, I, uh, I, was, I was thinking, and I, my parents have both passed away, of course, and as many of you know, and uh, my, my dad has been gone for two years, my mom for a year. And uh, I, I, t- I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, it's, I know it sounds silly, but I, I, I could always count on a card with some cash from mom and dad. And I don't mean it because of the cash. I really don't. Don't, don't misunderstand me. If you're thinking that, you're missing what I'm saying. But, I, but I, as we were checking the mailbox for cards, and I thought, you know, dad would have never missed a Christmas. My dad loved Christmas. And my, I can remember seeing my dad sitting on the couch, even when our kids were very small, we'd come together at Christmas time, and seeing my dad uh, watching his grandchildren and his children open those gifts. My dad was so happy doing that. He absolutely loved it. And many of you can express similar sentiments. And uh, I want to tell you this. Don't miss the opportunities to be together with your loved ones. Take advantage of them. And, and probably, if I could say this, probably even in a crowd this size, there might be some relationships that are strained. This is a great season to fix it. You say, my, my sibling, my mother, my father, they don't want anything to do with it. That's okay. I, my wife and I we, I, I, we know a particular individual that sent their, their nieces and uh, 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 birthday checks every year that were never cashed because there was a little bit of a strain. But it didn't matter. They kept sending them anyway. They just never would cash them, because there was a little bit of a strain. But I'm going to tell you something. Christmas provides you an opportunity to spend time with loved ones. You know what you ought to do? Take full advantage of it. Now, I'm not telling you to miss church, because you ought to be in Lord's house. I mean, you, really, you ought to be, if you go out of town on, on vacation, and they've got a service going on a Sunday, you ought to be in the Lord's house. By the way, you're teaching your children. Thou shalt teach them diligently, the Bible says, thy children, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, when thou walkest by the way, I'm teaching my children with everything I do. When I decide to ditch church, I'm telling my children when it's appropriate to ditch church. Now, that may not be comfortable, but it's a fact, Jack, whoever Jack is. But here we are, so we've got an opportunity to be together with our kids, be together with our families, 
make it happen. I'm for it. Uh, you know, we picked up Rebecca from the airport on, on thir- Thursday night, and I, t- I told my wife, we were, we were getting ready to head to bed that night, and uh, we got home, it was after midnight, and got to bed probably close to 1 o'clock in the morning, but I, I told her, I said, it, it feels right now because the kids are home. And, uh, you know, I, obviously we have married children that are away and living, a, Kristen and her family lives on the other side of the country, but I'll tell you what, when family can get together, do it, do it, do it, do it. Make it happen. And enjoy every bit of it. I used to tell my girls, uh, and they remind me of this. We were on a trip somewhere. UP of Michigan, I think, is where it was. And they wanted to do this thing and, and some activity. Mackinac Island, that's where it was, Mackinac Island. You ever been to Mackinac Island or heard about it? You know what it is? Okay, anyway, if you don't, trust me, it's a real place. We were there, and they wanted to do this activity, and to be honest with you, it's kind of spendy. And, and we didn't have a whole lot. And I, I looked at my wife, I said, let them do it. I said, we're not worried about making money, we're worried about making memories. And as soon as I said that, I thought, hey, that's pretty good right there. <laughs> Except for this, my children have quoted that to me so many times <laughs> since that trip to... Mackinac Island. This week, in fact, they asked, they said, I, I said, would you all, what would you like for Christmas? And they heard about Kentucky. We're huge Kentucky fans, if you didn't know that. Uh, they're playing in Lost Wages this week. I mean, Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> some of you didn't get that. That's okay. It's, it's time release humor. You'll pick it up at lunch and you'll say, oh, I just got that. So they're playing in Las Vegas this week. And so the girl said, if you'll take us to that, you don't have to get us anything else. By the way, I do remember you saying that. And so that's why there's nothing under the tree. So there. Um, but so they said, if you'll take us to, to see Kentucky play in Las Vegas, that'll be all we want for Christmas. So we're going to Las Vegas to watch Kentucky play this week. That's her Christmas present. But as I was, as I was looking at tickets when they told me, I started looking at tickets and I you know, I kept scrolling and scrolling and waiting for them to drop and waiting for them to drop, and they would not drop. But then it occurred to me, you know, they're, they're going to remember those things more than a whole lot of stuff. And as I look back over the years, particularly growing up, I, I remember the, the moments and the memories with family. And you, you may not take them on a big trip, and we don't do a whole lot of those big trips anyway. But do something with your family this week that'll mean the world to them. And so what does Christmas bring? It provides us the opportunities to be with loved ones, friends, and family. Then may I say this, what does Christmas bring? It provides opportunities to forgive and right wrongs. This is so important because it really wraps the gospel message with a bow. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here's why. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What does Christmas bring? The opportunity to forgive and right wrongs. Maybe you're here this morning and there's something in your heart that's not right with another. You know, the wonderful thing about, <coughs> about the Holy Spirit, among so many others, our comforter, our guide, guides us into all truth and provides comfort when we need it. But also this, he lets us know where we stand 
I don't have to stand here this morning and go through a list of sins and say, what about this one? What about this one? When you came into church this morning, each and every one of us, we knew where we stood with God for the most part. If you're here this morning, you're ignorant of that, then maybe, and I don't mean that in an unkind way. I mean, you're just not aware of it. Maybe you've never heard the gospel clear and plain. But I would encourage you to experience forgiveness because it is the greatest gift that God would give you. But if you're here today and there's a wrong in a family, there's a hurt, there's a wound, I'll tell you one of the greatest things that Christmas brings is it gives us the opportunity to forgive and to right wrongs. You know, when, uh, when my dad passed away, I was so grateful that <clears throat> the last, the last few, three years of his life, my dad didn't know me. And when I would go to see him, he was in a home and he'd gotten too much for my mom to care for him. I can remember sitting down and feeding my dad at lunchtime and he thought I was a worker in the home. I remember patting, him patting my hand and he'd say, you sure are a kind boy. And I, I can remember, I knew my dad liked coffee and he liked it hot and black. And he told me, he didn't care how hot it was or how black it was. He always told me, he said, it doesn't take near as much water to make coffee as most people think. That's what my dad, my dad used to tell me. And I, I never forgot it. And so if you like it strong, that, you, that, that was my dad. But I'm so grateful that when I said good, goodbye to my dad and I, I spoke at his funeral, and uh, I'm so thankful that there wasn't anything hanging. I'm so thankful that there wasn't a, I wish I had. I'm so thankful that I got to the place in life where I didn't care to kiss my dad in front of people. I didn't care what they thought. My dad was a lot shorter. His head came up to about my shoulder. But every time I'd see him, I'd say, Dad, I sure do love you. And I'd kiss him on the top of his head. I wish I could do that today. I'm, I'm glad I took advantage of those opportunities with my family while they were here. And I guarantee you the time will come when some of us will either say, I wish I had, or I'm glad I did. And the choice really is up to you because Christmas brings the opportunity to give to others, the opportunity to appreciate God's gifts, the opportunity to be at God's house, the opportunity to be with loved ones and friends and family. But one of the greatest things that Christmas brings is the opportunity to forgive and make things right. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I can tell you the greatest gift is right here for you, and that's Jesus Christ. It's the finished work of Calvary. We talk about that all at Easter, I know, and maybe that's your only familiarity with it. But the fact is, Easter doesn't happen without the birth of Christ. When He came, He didn't come to be the babe in the manger. He came to give His life for you and me. He came literally to die for your sins and mine so that we don't have to. It's part of those great gifts that we talked about from the Lord. There's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness, and there's ultimately Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Him. That means you come into a place in your heart and life where you say, I realize I'm a sinner. I know there's a penalty for that sin, and I recognize that Jesus already paid that penalty. All I have to do is accept Him. It's as simple as that. That's the gospel. And I hope that you know that in your heart and life. Would you stand with me this morning?